Lumos. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Harry Podcast, the show where we analyze and discuss each chapter of the Harry Potter series from a literary perspective. I'm David. And I'm Madeline. And today's episode is called Harry Podcast and the Four Champions. Today we will be discussing how Harry is perceived by the majority of Hogwarts, what Moody slash Barty Crouch Jr.'s motivation is for bringing up murder, and the beginning of the first major Harry-Ron conflict of the series. So this chapter once again starts off right at the end of the last chapter. Uh, Immediately afterwards, the Great Hall is completely silent and everyone is shocked, including Harry, that his name just came out of the Goblet of Fire. Dumbledore tells Harry to go into the room with the three other champions. The five judges come rushing in. Ludo Bagman seems thrilled about Harry joining the tournament. Madame Maxime and Professor Karkaroff are very angry and think that Hogwarts is trying to cheat by having two champions instead of one. Harry swears that he didn't put his name in, but Barty Crouch reminds everyone that the rules state that anyone whose name comes out of the goblet has to compete. Moody points out that someone probably put Harry's name in because they wanted him killed. Karkaroff dismisses this as paranoia, but Moody seems suspicious of Karkaroff. Harry goes up to the Gryffindor dorms, where everyone is still awake and waiting to congratulate him. Everyone clearly thinks he put his name in. When Harry finally goes up to bed, he finds Ron waiting. Ron thinks that Harry put his name in as well, and that he deliberately left Ron out of his plans. Ron does not believe Harry's protest that he did not, and they both go to sleep feeling betrayed. So I think this is a really well done scene. I think we um, the first scene where Harry goes back into the room and sees all the other champions mm-hmm. and then the judges. I think we see each of the adults react in different ways to the news. Um, and mostly everybody kind of feels like they've been screwed is like the the main yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also interesting to think about like who is sort of focused on and not focused on. And, you know, the fact that we don't actually hear from the other champions at all not much anyway i mean fleur says something like oh are they, are they do they want us back in the great hall yeah she thinks that he's like a messenger cedric just looks kind of confused but once all the judges come in and start talking and they realize what happened like they're we just don't hear from them and harry doesn't talk to them or really look at them and so it's just that's interesting as well because right. it's all focused again on harry which is what kind of the point is, is that everything is now focused on Harry. Yeah, which I, as we're going to get to, that's kind of Ron's argument too. Right. Um, so like from most of the adults perspective, what's going on? Well, I think most of the adults besides Dumbledore probably are thinking, you know, Harry is attention seeking. He's already famous and he wants to be more famous. He's, you know, he thinks he's He thinks he should be able to compete in something, even though he's not old enough, because he's like, I've done scary stuff and I I deserve special treatment, kind of thing. Yeah. And so it all, like, and honestly, all their opinions pretty much make sense given Mm -hmm. what we know. And and I think we can talk more in the next chapter about even the rest of the school's opinion, you know, feelings make sense because it's like, yeah, this comes across as Harry being a jerk. Harry somehow figured out a way to get around it, as he always does, kind of like, breaking the rules and getting away with it. Um, and that is obnoxious. So let's think about kind of maybe how the char- each of the characters respond. First, before we move on from that, I, I think we'll get to this more as the book goes on, but I do kind of wish that they um, investigated that idea more. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that concept of like, 
Um, not just that like Harry is like super arrogant or self-involved or whatever, because he's clearly not like from our perspective no, or in his head, right. whatever. But just the fact that like everything is always about him. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have definitely been something that they could have explored more in the writing of this book in particular mm-hmm. from the perspective of like, why is everyone rooting against me? Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah, yeah. But instead, Harry just kind of takes it personally and doesn't really think too deeply about that. You know what I mean? That's like, true. he's like, oh, they're just supporting Cedric Diggory, the real Hogwarts champion. Like, you know, that's, it's like, it's like, they just don't like me. They think that I'm stealing his thunder or whatever. But he doesn't really think deeply about how this happens every year. Right, right, That right. there's always some BS happening where Harry's caught up in it and then everyone thinks about him all the time. Um, and that maybe the other students are just tired of that. And like, wow, Harry, like, everything's always about you. Can we please get something different for one year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, like, the whole series, obviously, like, from the reader's perspective, it's, like, it's from Harry's point of view, and each book is, like, Harry Potter and this big thing that happens, right? <laughs> so, like, obviously... Or Harry the, Podcast and the yeah. thing that happens. So, I mean, obviously that's, like, the way the series is written, and so, in some ways it is, like, we're focused on him, but it yeah. is also, that is the way things are in real life. Like, yeah. at the end of every year, you know... And then continuing on, like, it's about him. Like, something dramatic happens that he has to then save the day. Right. And so... And I guess my point is just that I wish that there was more almost meta commentary yeah, from yeah. people in that world about, like, hey, it how tired seems they are like... of that trope, you know? Like, you're doing this. So, I think, um, yeah, and we can talk more about how his peers react. But I think yeah. in this moment, I think it's, um, you know, mostly the professors and leaders, especially, like you know, Snape, of course, but even everybody mm-hmm. at Hogwarts is kind of like, what the hell? What's going on? Um, yes, let's talk about that. We, we having read the series, obviously, we know sort of what people's motivations are, or we at least have a vague idea of them in this scene. Um, so let's just go through like each character or set of characters and then talk about like what their reactions are and how that helps the reader to sort of parse their motivations. Mm-hmm. So first, you know, Harry, Ron, Hermione, Hagrid, like, people in the great hall so they're kind of like shocked you know nonplussed mm-hmm. harry is like really confused he's like what mm-hmm. and it, like ron and hermione also look similarly shocked hagrid as of course also and then he just kind of gets up and goes into the other room like dumbledore told him to but he's really just like almost doesn't know what to do oh I think. yeah and that that's indicative to the reader that there's not, like, an unreliable narrator thing going on here. Harry didn't, like, put his name in and then, oh, like, pretend yes, like yeah. he didn't. And um, as we'll talk more about later and maybe even in the next episode, um, Ron and Hermione's reactions of genuine shock and Hagrid's, too, um, split off into different interpretations of the event mm-hmm. after they've had time to think about it and, and sort of ruminate. Um, but we see that everybody that is close to Harry is shocked as well, you know, as he is. So we sort of have a sense that, like, something has happened outside of the inner circle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Except for Ron, who reasons himself into Mm -hmm. believing that Harry put his name in for the glory or whatever. Um, So, okay, then we get into the room. The other champions think that he's just a messenger. And then when they realize that he's actually the fourth champion, they react with surprise and then anger except for cedric who i think isn't really angry so much as just confused confused i think i think they're they're all confused and then like we said we sort of 
don't talk about them the rest of the scene. Um, but they are initially surprised and angry. And then it's like mm-hmm. an immediate kind of, you know, it's like a 10 second kind of interaction he has before yeah. everyone else comes rushing in. Crumb just kind of broods. We do actually get a scene where Cedric and Harry walk up to bed yeah. together. Um, they're separate dormitories, of course, but, uh, Cedric and Harry kind of chat a little bit and he's like, um, so how did you get your name in? Mm -hmm. And Harry's like, I, I didn't, I was telling them the truth. And Mm -hmm. Cedric's like, oh, okay, well, he's sort of like, you can tell me, like, I'm the other champion. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, but Harry realizes that this is probably how the rest of the school is going to see it too, because, even when he can have a personal one-on-one yeah. with the, another person and say to them, like, to their face, like, I didn't do it, they still don't believe him. Like, Cedric's a very trusting person, but even he's like, dude, you put your name in. Come yeah. on, just tell me. Just tell me how you did it. It's fine. I don't care. But Harry's like, oh, this is how it's going to go with everybody now. Right. Right. And so um, Snape is the kind of most obvious reaction, I think. That obviously he's going to be upset. Um, he seems, you know, possibly unsurprised, uh, very bitter and angry, and kind of exasperated. You know, yeah, it almost seems like he expected something. The, like well, this this, to this reinforces his narrative about Harry, which is like the same that we've been talking about. That Harry always gets all the attention. Harry is like James, and he gets you know, away with this kind of thing all the time. He gets away with it, and he's a jerk. He's he's trying to steal the glory, and you know, even though I'm sure Snape is not doesn't care that much about the tournament or you know really cares about like supporting cedric at all i think he's just like you know he would have been fine with the way things went with cedric and just wouldn't have uh, yeah anybody except harry would have been fine with snape i think it's just a it's a personal grudge it's a personal grudge so he comes in kind of with that um then for the other um Hogwarts person here, we have Dumbledore, um, who is possibly the most interesting, one of the most interesting reactions. Yeah, his reactions are very interesting to So, me. I mean, his reaction is definitely surprise, but he's also calculating, because what we talked about at the end of last chapter is that he realizes in the moment that the name comes out what has happened, basically, or he realizes some of what has happened, which is that somebody yeah. has put Harry's name in in order to put him in danger yeah he's starting to process all of that stuff now um possibly to kill him and so he's trying to figure out what to do mm-hmm. yeah and, and i feel like he has two major goals um that are now serious problems have come up so first that harry is now in grave danger for the entire year because he he's forced to compete in this tournament right so that puts his like overall grand plan regarding like Harry and defeating Voldemort and stuff that puts that into jeopardy. And then the second thing is that the other heads of schools, Karkaroff and Maxime are very upset. Um, And the whole point of Dumbledore and the ministry organizing this tournament was to try to like make more diplomatic ties to these other schools and these other Mm -hmm. countries that they're from um, for more international cooperation because Dumbledore sees what's coming down the pipeline regarding Voldemort's return, et cetera, and the rise of the Death Eaters, the resurgence. So he's like, I want more international cooperation in the wizarding community to combat that. And now that's in jeopardy because they're reacting so badly to this news that Harry is now in the tournament. Um, They feel cheated. They Mm -hmm. feel like this is unfair. Um, And so now Dumbledore is trying to deal with that as well as the Harry in danger thing. And so he's trying to do both things at once. 
Right. So kind of going off of that, what are Karkaroff and Maxime's reactions? You know, they're very angry, thinking that Hogwarts is trying to cheat them out of their glory or by having two champions. Right. Um, you know, Karkaroff is definitely more expressive of his anger and threatens to leave um, until Moody reminds him that they have to compete. Um, and, you know, Madame Maxine doesn't threaten to leave, but she's definitely not interested. She's definitely like, you know, trust has been broken here. I'm upset. I'm already kind of pissed about, like, staying at Hogwarts, which is inferior to my normal yeah. setting. And I'm just, like, over it. So they're, you know, they're not having it. Yeah, and she doesn't threaten to leave, but she also doesn't stick around and chat with Dumbledore about what's going on. And I think you're right. It's like the trust has been broken. We're This is the first day of the tournament, and right. things are already terrible. Yeah, like, this does not bode well for them, for right. how things are going to go, and for their, you know, political relations. And it's like the good faith has already been broken. Like, what we're going to see next chapter is that the two heads of houses immediately go to... Um, option B, which is cheat to try to get your champion yes, to win. Right. Um, so they like there. There's not even an attempt by them to participate in good faith from here going forward because they feel like Hogwarts is already cheating. Yeah, that is important. So that kind of starts. And who knows? Maybe that would have happened anyway. But maybe. But I think it, it's definitely like all right. All bets are off. So now cheating is happening for sure. Yeah, and now it's like justifiable as well. From their perspective. Right. So now on to Bagman and Crouch Sr., who mm-hmm. are the two um, non-heads of house judges. Um, how do they respond to the situation? So Bagman seems thrilled. He loves the drama. Yeah. We already know that. He's very into it. Um, we know that he'll bet heavily on Harry to win. So Bagman is, has a gambling problem. He loves yeah. betting. And he loves you know, Harry, like, he loves fame and that whole scene. So he's very excited, and he's like, yes, this totally makes sense. We're having, like, great publicity mm-hmm. for the tournament now, and... He loves a good underdog story. Yeah. I think he just loves a good story in general, and, like, Harry is clearly the main character. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Bagman loves that. You know, he's like, yeah, he's definitely down, want to root for Harry. And it's definitely, like, I think his his mind is worrying with, like, a possible gambling mm-hmm. He's like, I can get really good odds on Harry, and he'll probably win. And then, you know, Bagman's response also is to cheat to try to get Harry to win. Right. And so basically, three out of the five judges of this tournament are actively cheating. Yes. Um, the ones that are not are Crouch and Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Um, Crouch is not cheating, but as we'll talk about right now, he's under the Imperious <laughs> Curse. He is. Being controlled essentially by Voldemort. So he, you know, he reacts like very wooden, very unresponsive. Yeah. Um, this, as we've talked about in the previous chapters when we've met him, it's, you know, the writing of him is good because he's always seemed very, like, kind of stiff, stiff and, you know, um, not responsive, not emotional anyway. So the fact that he's under the Imperius curse, it's like, all right, he seems a little weird, but... Nobody questions it, which is why it works out. Well, people question it, but it gets explained as like, oh, he's really overtired. He's really stressed out because he dismissed his house elf and now he has to do all of the housework by himself or something. So he doesn't have that like kind of support anymore. So that's why he's so stressed out. And then people think that he's sick. Yeah, we'll get to that later. After a while. Um, But right now it's just kind of like, 
oh, he's he's stressed. He's already very anxious person. So yeah, but all his role, as we mentioned before, is to say like the tournament must continue. Whoever's name comes out must compete, and that's basically what he has been. Yeah, he recites the rule. And that's chapter what he's and verse, been, so. you know, imperialized to do, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. which is to remind everybody and for everyone to listen to him um, in that moment. But otherwise to kind of stay out of it. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't want to get involved. I think that's interesting, too, because Voldemort has two pawns on the board mm-hmm. in this scene, but one of them is making moves and talking about stuff, as we'll get to right now, and the other one is just staying put and doing nothing. And I think that's an interesting play. He could have, like, had them coordinate or, like, sort of talk, like, both about, like, what needs to happen now, what's going on, like, blah, blah, blah. But instead, they kind of each play their separate role extremely well. Mm-hmm. Crouch well, recites the rule book in- and Moody talks about his, like, wild theories about what happened. Well, and because one is aware of the plan and one isn't, right? If, if Crouch Sr. would not be down for to be aware right so he has to be well no but if you're imperiused i think you could argue that you can make anyone do it make 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 him say whatever you want whatever that's fair um but yeah but they choose not to instead they choose to have him be mostly silent which i think is interesting but to moody let's get to this this is the most interesting thing to me what does he say and why so moody also reinforces all champions are compelled to compete in the tournament And then he immediately says, someone must have cursed or hoodwinked the goblet into accepting Harry's name under a fourth school. Um, So he very clearly lays out, like, this is what happened. Um, And he implies that there must be a serious dark wizard or dark force involved. Mm -hmm. And that the goal is to attack Harry specifically, not to give Hogwarts an advantage. So what his play here is pretty interesting. And like we just mentioned, you know, Voldemort kind of has these two pawns. Um, but he is basically saying what he did. He's saying exactly what happened. And this is what he did without saying that it's him. Right, presumably. So it's a little bit like um, speaking, you know, saying like accusing somebody else of, you know, doing... Like, when you say, like, oh, that person must be, you know, cheating on their spouse when... Projection. Yeah, projecting what they did and trying to, you know, deflect Mm -hmm. the interest on you. I mean, in this case, he's not specifically saying who did it, but he is, you know, heavily implying maybe Karkaroff. We all know that he, you know, there's historical beef between Moody and Karkaroff. Right. Karkaroff is a former Death Eater. That's already known. So, you know... He is essentially saying this, or at least implying, like, somebody, not me, that's a Death Eater, possibly, might be doing this. Um, but it is it is interesting that he is fully putting this out there. Yeah. And that's a kind of a risky move, I would say. Definitely. But I think, I think it's really smart, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think he thought about this a lot. Because Dumbledore is so smart, he's like, Dumbledore's going to figure this out eventually. Yes. yeah. So what I'm going to do as the moody character is just get ahead of that and build credibility between me and sort of everyone else as this moody character, because moody would be trying to put together a theory and like start accusing people like right away. And so he's like, I'm going to try to not like pin the blame on Karkaroff because I know no one's really going to buy that like long term um, because he's clearly not involved. But I'm just going to be like, 
some dark wizard did this and like here's what happened and blah 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 blah. Dumbledore will be like, yeah, that totally checks out. Moody would definitely do that. And Harry's going to be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I trust Moody now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, you know, presumably all this stuff, like, his performance as Moody is so compelling and convincing. Even, like, his oldest friend Dumbledore buys it. So, presumably, he's, like, periodically interrogating the real Moody um, to, like, figure out what he knows and to help mm-hmm. him with his performance. And... Um, and the Karkaroff angle works on two levels because Karkaroff was a Death Eater who named names and walked free. So he's the perfect target for Barty Crouch Jr.'s anger as well as Moody's suspicion. Yeah, so he really gets to... Uh, it's really a, a perfect setup. Everything has aligned very well. Um, yeah, for... so clearly there was a lot of forethought and planning put into this. So it is, even though it seems very strange of like, why are you spelling out basically exactly what you did? He did it in a way that, you know, nobody would suspect him. It can't be traced to him. And um, he is really especially aligning himself with Dumbledore mm-hmm. and, and having Dumbledore, you know, trust him and, and possibly confer with him about his suspicions um, and help figure out what happened. Yeah. And it's interesting that, like, given the tools that we know exist in the wizarding world, like Veritas Serum mm-hmm. um, and like uh, Pensives and like Priori Incantatum, which we learn about later on in this book. It's interesting that like wizard investigators, I guess they'd be Aurors, don't like come to Hogwarts and start interrogating people and like confiscating wands and being like, let's figure out who cast the Confundus Charm on the Goblet of Fire or whatever. I think what is interesting, and, and I we will get to more in this book, is that I think that the reason why, you know, those things aren't used as much is because they are kind of in, like, you know, normal wizarding society considered, like, last resorts. Like, I think that that they're not used. It's sort of the thing of, like, well, we wouldn't just, you know, we don't just curse everybody all the time. We don't just, you know, get whatever we want all the time. It's It's more like we're not using magic kind of, like, for... Um, you know, evil gains. And I think it's like those things could definitely be abused and are abused, especially by, um, you know, Voldemort's kind of minions when he is in power, right? Like the Imperius Curse, like things like that, right? So I think even using like Veritaserum and the other things later on, it's like, you know, I feel like Dumbledore and other people that are considered more moral, like don't use them mm-hmm. unless they feel like they have to, they have complete reason to know and they don't believe that they're going to get information any other way but like i think at this point it would be seen kind of in general as you know too much like too extreme to start interrogating everybody in those ways um especially students but even like and and if we're talking about the diplomatic relations angle like if Dumbledore was like, "All right, Karkar off, let's go over to Serum," that would not go well. <laughs> right, and there's probably laws surrounding yeah. its use and things like that, um, like Fourth Amendment protections in the United States. I would hope that the Wizarding community of Britain has laws on the books to prevent people from just you know willy nilly giving them Truth Serum and or Priory Incantatum on their wands. But still, I mean, there's tools. People don't really investigate this situation, though. Yeah, that's they the don't. thing. Like in every Harry Potter book, there's a point where it's like, if we had just asked some if questions, if you just like yeah. go to the the cops, basically, it's probably you know 
a pretty quick investigation and then you figure out who it is. But whatever. It's a fun story. Um, and speaking of, this is really the main threat of the book. And this is where it begins in this chapter, I guess at the end of last chapter, um, that Harry is being forced to compete in this incredibly dangerous tournament. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's obvious to us as the reader that like now he's in incredible danger, not just because of the tasks, but because of the danger that comes along with the tasks. Like he'll be, you know, alone some of the time, like doing these tasks, like there's ample opportunity for dark wizards to attack him and make it look like an accident or whatever. Um, and, you know, it probably won't be that heavily investigated because the tournament is so legendarily dangerous. Right. Um, like, I, I think this is a, a really good um, central theming device for the story of this book. I think it was very clever. I think it was a really creative idea to have the this, like, tournament, um, mm-hmm. you know, the three tasks and that kind of thing. Like, I think that that was a really good framing device. Um, and it's a, it's a good opportunity f- to get into the um, – what makes these books so special to me um, is the, like, magical wonder. And this book introduces a whole lot of really interesting um, cultures, mm-hmm. magical creatures, spells, magic. Um, and then, of course, you know, the end – um, there's tons of lore surrounding the conflict with Voldemort and all that stuff. So this book really is heavy on all that. And that's why it's one of my favorite books in the series. All right. So Harry goes back to the Gryffindor common room. Everyone's thrilled, cheering, congratulating him. Harry does not want this. Yeah. He's not interested in this. And he's feeling even more and more kind of like drowned in... The fact that, like, nobody's going to believe him. And he keeps trying to say, like, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And it's just, like, everyone's like, yeah, woohoo. And, like, he had just come from, like we said, walking with Cedric, mm-hmm. doing the same thing. So it's really, like, you know, he's feeling like, okay, nobody's believing me. This is not good. Um, I'm just going to have to kind of try to extricate myself from this yeah. situation. It's a, it's very um, It's very alienating. Because yeah. no one validates him and no one even really cares what he says. He's just like being used almost as a propaganda tool for Gryffindor. Totally. And that's sort of how he's been in the past, but it's even more now because now he's like the face of, you yeah, know. Yeah, of Gryffindor House. Of Gryffindor and champion. And he's feeling like, you know, getting into the conflict with Ron. Like he is finally going upstairs like, okay, I haven't seen Ron down here, but like, Hopefully, like, Ron will believe me. I'm sure Ron will believe me, yeah. Like, I just have to get to... This is, like, my safe space. Like, he hasn't talked to Ron or Hermione since this happened. And he's like, gotta talk to them. You know, they will understand. It's always been kind of, like, us against them. Us against the world, really. And so he's, like, finally gonna go upstairs, gonna talk to Ron. It's gonna be great. Um, But Ron doesn't respond that way. Yeah, so what's, what's Ron's main issue here? Ron believes that Harry put his name in, um, and he believes that he was excluded, that Harry somehow figured out a way to get around the age line, figured this out, put his name in, and, you know, did it because he wanted to get in the tournament to get the glory and all of this, and that um, he purposely excluded Ron and didn't tell him about it. Yeah. Um, which just really reinforces... Ron's own, like, kind of thing with Harry, this whole 
time, which is like he feels inferior. Um, it's like an insecurity thing. In all these ways. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, this is just confirms like Harry thinks he's better than me. Harry is better than me. Everybody likes him more. Um, he's. I'm the sidekick. Yeah, I'm the sidekick. And now I thought we were like in it together, but now clearly he's just. Is too full of himself and is trying to do this. Yeah, and the tournament is a thing where it's like there can't be two, two people together. Two yeah. people together, so it's like we we can't have a partnership. And instead of like trying to submit both of our names, Harry was just like, "I'm the main character, so I'm gonna just go and do it." Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is like this is a really big moment character wise for each of these people because, um. Harry could have been more understanding of Ron's position and been like, you know, hey, dude, I get it. This, you know, this is really hard for me, too. And I don't want this. And mm-hmm. I didn't ask for this. And um, and I'm really sorry that, like, you feel excluded because I wish it could have been you and not me. And I, I don't want to feel this way. And... Um, Instead, he's so, I think, alienated and defensive because of how he's been treated by everybody else that he was really trying to lean on Ron here for support, and he didn't get that. And then he responds by by kind of lashing out a little bit and just kind of not giving him any understanding or empathy, and Ron obviously isn't in a mood to reciprocate either. Right, yeah, he's just like, they're, they're both lashing at each other. They're both 14, let's remember. Yeah. We always think they're English, so like... I wrote that down. I was like, this is yeah. one of those dumb moments in media where a simple conversation about how each person feels would have solved everything, but they're 14, so... And it might not have that. solved everything, because at this point, you know, really, if, if Ron is not going to accept that Harry is telling him the truth, if he believes that Harry is genuinely hiding something from him, um, you know, it it's gonna it's going to take a while for him to not not feel that way and so yeah um what is kind of frustrating and again like this is it's not rational and they don't really understand how this works but you know when moody says the thing about like okay well um which i know ron didn't hear but when he says like somebody rigged this you know as a fourth school basically like that i think is a key point because we think about, like, how did this happen? Yeah, it's not as simple as just getting around the age line. Because if, right, if Harry had put his, if Harry had gotten his name in. Um, then it would have just been Harry instead of Cedric or whatever. Yeah, or or one of them would have come up, right? It's just, it's one from each school. And so, in theory, people could have gotten past the age line from any school, but they just weren't picked, right? So, it's like, mm-hmm. we don't believe that but we don't technically know that and so yeah, that idea sort of, of like a third or a fourth one just randomly coming out after all the other ones must mean something's different yeah it's like everyone's not really thinking deeply about how this was done if they really think that harry did it himself and moody is one of the clear voices in that discussion where he's like no kid would have been able to do that right you would have had to have like real serious dark magic to be able to confuse a, a powerful magical artifact like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, and we'll talk more next chapter about Hermione's reaction, but I think that that's part of the reason why, I mean, I think Hermione just does believe Harry, but I think she also f- understands that a lot more and mm-hmm. understands like, this is not something that Harry could have done or anyone could have done um, that wasn't a dark wizard or a very experienced wizard. So yeah. she's kind of like, that's a non-issue. Thank you all for listening to Harry Podcast and the Four Champions. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion of this chapter. 
If you have thoughts or questions about anything we've discussed today, especially how each character responds to Harry's involvement in the tournament, please email us at contact at theharrypodcast.com. You can find out more about the show and listen to any of our episodes at theharrypodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for next time when we get out the scale for Chapter 18, The Weighing of the Wands. I'm Madeline. And I'm David, and we'll see you next time on The Harry Podcast. Knox.